Hello, everybody, and welcome to Innovate Think Tank, a place to think, a place to strive, and a place to ultimately achieve. My name is Jason Crawford, and I will be your tour guide on this episode. So today, this one's a little bit of a special edition. It's going to be a little bit longer than one's past. We're going to dig a little bit deeper, but the information contained is, to me extremely motivating, extremely powerful, and completely and utterly necessary for any organizational figurehead to learn, digest, and ultimately apply. And look, it's not just organizational leader heads. This applies to everyone within an organization, business, or life in general. Today, we're going to be talking about Motivation Jedi. Unlocking the Mystery of Employee Motivation. Now, because this is a business podcast and it's business-specific, we're going to drill down and focus, obviously, on, yep, you've guessed it, business. But the principles that we're going to talk about today are basic human motivational behaviors that transcend business boundaries, borders, and really cut to the core of who we are as human beings. So, There's this gentleman, was this gentleman, by the name of Abraham Maslow. And he, in, what was it, 1943-ish, published a paper called A Theory of Human Motivation. And he published it in a psychological review. It's kind of like, you know, the the peer paper paper back of the day. We could actually say it was the podcast of 1943, specific to psychology and his industry. And essentially what Maslow explained were his ideas and observations regarding humans' motivation and specifically their innate curiosity. His theories covered a lot of developmental psychology, which also focuses on describing the stages or growth within us as human beings. The only difference is Maslow did not study those that were maybe mentally ill or defunct in some way, but rather studied the highest performing individuals in society at that time. He studied Albert Einstein, Eleanor Roosevelt, Frederick Douglass. I mean, these are the top 1%, including the top 1% performing college students of that time to really get an understanding of what a sound, motivated, driving, disciplined, focused mind actually focuses on at different stages of their life based on the subsequent needs. And the needs, he kind of broke them down into categories of physiological needs, safety needs, belonging, esteem, and self-actualization all broken down into basic needs. Now, why is that important? I know that's a mouthful. I know it's probably boring, but why is that important to your employees' motivation? Because depending where your employees or your individuals or your family members or whoever you're associating with at any point in time during your communications, depending where they are in regard to those five basic needs is a huge driving force or indicator in regard to how they respond. 
So in my dealings and trainings with various organizations for the past 15 years, operating as chief operating officer and having built a couple successful companies with numerous employees, I always come across the question primarily from leaders of what motivates people, what drives people. Is it fear? Are they motivated by positive reinforcement? I know maybe it's recognition. What is it that drives people is a mystery that drives managers, leaders, and people in general crazy. The reality is it's not that complicated. It's just a simple matter of understanding where the person is in their life in regard to those five basic needs. And as we go through these five basic needs, I want you to apply them to your own personal life and your own personal business as well and kind of see how and where you fit in the overall scope of things. So again, Abraham Maslow, he developed a theory that we as humans are motivated by five basic needs. And these are arranged in a hierarchy just picture a, a pyramid, because actually that's how he, he demonstrates them, is picture a pyramid, and at the very base of the pyramid, we have our physiological needs, right? That's basic issues of survival, food, air, water, just the need to survive. That's our most basic need. And then the next level up is our security needs. The next level up is our belonging needs, the fourth level up is our esteem eat needs. And our fifth level up is our self-actualization needs. That's achievements, growth, development. And let's break these down one by one and what they actually mean in regard to the workplace. So let's start with physiological needs and security needs. Obviously, these are the most basic needs. And how do these apply to the workplace? So according to Maslow's theory, an employee who's starting off in the lower realm of needs, and again, keep, this, keep in mind that this is the physiological and the, the security needs. So physiological and security needs. So generally, a person who is beginning their career, somebody just getting started, somebody fresh out of college, maybe somebody that's doing a career shift, transitioning industries, maybe somebody who was laid off and coming into a new job, they're going to start at the lower level of needs, which is essentially the physiological and the security needs. Now, they're going to be concerned most most notably with adequate wages, a stable income, and security needs such as benefits, and obviously this goes without saying, but a safe work environment. So let's look at that. Adequate wages, stable income, and benefits for them and their family. That is the most basic needs, right? We all want a good salary to meet the needs of our family. We want to work in a stable environment. We want to make sure that we're going to show up at work tomorrow. Our job's still going to be there. Employees who have the lowest level of needs that have not been met, for example, somebody that was just laid off or somebody that's been out of work for a period of time, they're going to make their life decisions or their work decisions or ultimately their motivation is going to be based on compensation, safety, and stability concerns. They need to make sure that their most basic needs for them and their family are met. So again, 
This is employees who are basically just starting out or maybe transitioning. This is the lowest level of needs. And look, I'm not a fan of fear-based motivation at all. I think it is is completely asinine. I think it's ridiculous. And I think it is what weak leaders use to motivate their individuals. But with that said, those that are starting out at the lower level of needs will respond the greatest to fear-based leadership. Why? Because they're afraid if that they lose this opportunity, if they lose this job, if they are fired, if they're laid off, they're going to lose the security of their most basic needs. Now, that's fear-based motivation. Let's go ahead and take that, throw it in the trash. But how can we also motivate those that have the lowest level of needs? Well, it's actually quite simple. We meet those needs. We provide them a healthy salary, one that's on point with competitive wages. We provide them an environment that is safe. We provide them within reasonable costs the benefits that are available to their position or are reasonable and expected for their position and their skill set. By meeting those most basic needs and providing them a workplace that meets their lower level needs, we have a motivated employee. Now, subsequently, if you have employees who their most basic needs are being met, but maybe you're going through a period of contraction within your organization, layoffs, restructuring, reorganizing your organizational org chart, and through that, there's been some employment collateral damage. I'm not going to mince words here. Let's say the very unfortunate circumstances, you had to lay off employees within your organization. Guess what happens? That creates a ripple effect to the other employees who are on, let's call it, equal footing with the individuals who were laid off, that they feel that their most basic security needs may not be met very much longer. So what happens? They start looking over their shoulder. They start jumping on the online job boards, posting their resumes, looking for work. Why? Because they're no longer safe. Their most basic safety and security needs that they need to be motivated in the workplace are no longer being met. So you may not think that laying off an employee or firing an employee would have an effect on other employees. Oh, but rest assured, it does. If you do need to remove an employee for any particular reason, a good leader, a good motivator, a good coach, a good company figurehead will address the rest of the individuals in that particular department or those that are on a, call it equal position with the individual who was fired and will meet with those in that department and reassure them, if possible that they are on safe footing and that they are not next. Because the last thing you want is a group of employees looking over their shoulder, wondering what's next and looking for a way out to solve their most basic needs because that ultimately drops your employee motivation, which drops your productivity, which drops your overall morale, which has a tremendous and detrimental effect to your organizations. So lower level needs meet the most basic needs of the physiological needs and the security needs. And at that level, you will have happy, healthy, motivated employees. Look, it just boils down to this. 
the first priority of workers is their survival. It's hard for them to be motivated, focused, engaged, and in tune to their position and the overall growth of the organization if their most basic needs are not met or if they feel like their jobs are in danger or they're in danger of losing their job. So again, this places extra emphasis on you, the organizational leader, the figurehead, to act responsibly within the organization in one, the hiring practices to make sure that your organizational salary and benefits packages are on point with what's usual and customary in the workplace for an equal level position. Subsequently, if you do need to make cutbacks or restrictions within your organization or your department, need to keep up the communication with the other figures within that department to let them know, keep them informed in regard to what's going on so that they can feel safe within their role. Haphazard, ass backwards, just call it wrong implementation of decisions that don't carry adequate communication will have a detrimental and ripple effect within your organization. So how do we solve this? We make sure that the most basic needs of our employees, at least on the lower level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, are met. Their physiological needs and their needs for security. Now, once these needs are met, and this is where we start moving up the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the employee is going to want the next level belongingness or the social need. We need to make sure that these are met. Now, the level of belongingness that an employee will have will depend on the individual, on whether they are an introverted person or an extroverted person. I myself, personally speaking, am more or less of an introverted person. Therefore, I don't have as a high of need for belongingness, social interaction, the, 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 the feel-good, foo-foo camaraderie of an organization. That doesn't mean I don't have the need for human interaction. It just means I don't have a high level or a high desire for that sort of interaction. Now, whereas somebody who's extroverted and is motivated by the rubbing of elbows with others and the sense of belongingness, they're going to have a higher need for that. Now, something to take away from this is that employees want to work in an environment, whether they are introverted or extroverted, in which they are accepted within the organization and have some sort of interaction with others. Now, this means from a management perspective, You as a manager or a leader can create an environment that is conducive to staff cooperation, staff interaction, staff team building, the type of skill sets and interactions that encourage interpersonal communication and effectiveness where your team basically works together. Ongoing managerial communication about the ongoing matters within your organization is also critically important to meeting your employees' social needs. A lot of managers, leaders, 
figureheads of an organization try to keep things behind the curtain and maybe put a facade on that everything is great or you're on a need-to-know basis. Employees that are kept in the dark about operational matters or the future of the organization or what is going on with the 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, 120-day, three-year plan, those that aren't included in that information often are felt like they're outsiders within their own organization. And if they feel like they're outsiders within their own organization, they're not very motivated to work within the organization. So part of the belongingness or the inclusiveness or meeting this need in order to motivate your employees is to update your employees. Have ongoing communications with them. This could be as simple as hosting a bi-monthly meeting in which you give a state of the union address, let them know what's going on in the organization. And notice I said bi-monthly, at least once a month, preferably twice a month, but you don't want to do a state of the union address maybe only once a year. You want to keep your employees updated, informed, on top of the communications so that they feel a part of not only feeling the pains of the problems, but also offering suggestions and participating in being the savior of the solution. This creates true belongingness within an organization and helps drive that need, fulfill that need, and creates a happy, healthy, motivated employee. At the end of the day, guys, an employee's salary, the amount of benefits that they receive, the, the, the security that their job is going to be there, that's extremely important, right? Because it meets the first two basic needs or the lower level needs. But in order to motivate your team, you're going to do, need to do a lot, lot more. And that includes stepping up the communication and bringing them inclusiveness into the team unit. I said inclusiveness. I think I made that word up. I meant to say cohesiveness. And that is only created or achieved through effective communication, helping your employees be part of the team by including them, let them feel the pains of the problems, and let them also participate in being a savior of the solutions and helping your company grow all the way through and through. This is how we create true belongingness. Once we have included or created belongingness with our employees, and mind you, if you can even get to belongingness, if you can get past steps one and two of the physiological and the safety needs, and you can move up to the third rung of the ladder, which is belongingness, if you could just achieve that one piece alone, you will be further along than 80 to 90% of all CEOs, COOs, and figureheads within an organization. Most CEOs, COOs, and those that are a chief level position stop there. I don't know why. I think maybe it has a lot to do with ego. It might have a substantial amount of not knowing what to do, but I think it ultimately has to do with ego, which fuels my next point is a lack of interest in understanding true human behavior and what motivates the employees. For most organizational figureheads that I have dealt with, 
and there's been a few gems in there that that don't that this does not apply to. But most that I have crossed paths with view the human capital as a disposable liability versus a cherished asset. So if you take the time to focus on the needs of your employees, this creates a powerful, powerful, powerful organization. So let's just for the sake of discussion say that everyone here gets past that third rung on the ladder of the pyramid and can satisfy the belongingness needs of their employees. Now we really get into the high level needs. And again, this is, this is where 90% of your organizational leaders fall short because they don't understand this. But our higher level needs are needs of esteem and self-actualization. Esteem needs are tied to an employee's image of himself or herself and the desire for the respect, recognition, and notoriety of others. That is the the esteem portion of it. How am I viewed by those within my organization? How am I viewed by my peers? How does leadership within the organization view me? Now, not everybody wants to be the center of attention. Don't, don't, mis- don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But everybody, once they have moved past the state of belongingness, really desire to be recogni- recognized and feel that need for esteem. Now, we, we, we tend to look at that in terms of society of, oh, that's a bad thing. That person just wants to brag or they just want to, to be put on a pedestal. They think they're better than everyone. No, really. They just want a pat on the back for the hard work and what they're contributing to the organization. Everybody loves a pat on the back now and then. I don't care who you are or how you portray that you maybe don't need it. Or employees may think that they're, they're just going to, you may think employees are just flying under the radar and, and, and really don't need that pat on the back. A little recognition goes a long, long, long way. But keep in mind, it needs to be arrived or provided at the right time in that employee's need. So I'm going to regress a little bit and let's go backwards. If you have an employee that is still in the lower level needs, their most basic pay, benefit, and security needs are not being met, but you constantly pat them on the back and provide them a boost to their esteem, yeah, that's a nice gesture, but it's empty because it does not meet their most basic needs. Therefore, their motivation is not being fulfilled. The esteem portion of Maslow's hierarchy of needs only applies to those that have transitioned past the lower level needs, past the belongingness, and have actually arrived at a point where they are motivated by the esteem portion or higher level needs. How do we fulfill this and how do we motivate our employees at this level? And you know what? Just identifying our employees and who typically is at this stage in the game, these are your upper mid to upper management, mostly upper management. It's definitely your C-level executives, and it's kind of interesting because they may not seem that they need it for motivation, but they do. And that's why you see upper management and high-level executives 
not spending very much time in one particular place because their needs are not being met. They already have their most basic needs met. They already have their belongingness met. They are looking for esteem and self-actualization to be met. But unfortunately, most organizations do not meet that need. And that usually starts at the, the, the figurehead or the leader within the organization. Because when you're dealing with upper management or C-level executives, only person that can provide esteem or self-actualization is the top of the top of the top. So that is why you typically will see a one to two year run of top management or C-level executives, and then they move on to another organization. Why? Because when they move on to another organization, their esteem needs are now being met, if only for a period of time. But what if top level executives, top level CEOs and presidents and members of a board can learn how to fulfill these needs? we would have a lower turnover of upper management and C-level executives because they would be motivated and fulfilled. How do we do this? We do it through cross-training. We do it through job enrichment. Special assignments are huge for helping people realize their potential through the esteem portion and self-actualization, allowing these individuals to provide feedback in the overall decision-making process or operational matters that affect the organization is a powerful tool for meeting an employee's esteem needs. Let's look at this from the perspective of middle management and upper management. If we were to include those guys and gals in the overall thought process, the operational methodology, growth trajectory, where the organization is going, we received input from them and actually applied their input, do you think that would be pretty motivating to them to give them a sense of ownership within the organization? Absolutely it would. But why don't we do that? Ego. Because a lot of the people who are in the decision-making driver's seat allow ego to get in the way, and they certainly could not give credit to somebody else. But just think for a moment if we did, if we allowed them to be included in the process, if we allowed them to contribute, if we allowed them to participate and overall solve problems, create solutions, policies, and procedures for, for our organization... That is a huge motivating factor. Other notable items for the esteem portion of Maslow's hierarchy of needs would be symbols of accomplishment, a job title. Awards are always nice. How about a, a nice office? Business cards, a good workspace, job perks. I mean, the symbols of accomplishment, they're meaningful. And that's traditionally what corporate America will reward their individuals with. And, you know, a nice corner office and, and some awards to throw up on the desk and, you know, maybe some other job perks. And, hey, those are great. Nobody's going to turn those away. But that's not the full nine yards. That doesn't cut to the overall core of motivation, of the overall inclusiveness the participation, the pat on the back, the well-placed compliment. Here's one. I appreciate you. Thank you for all your hard work. We could not have done this without your efforts. That, written from a top-level executive to a middle manager or upper manager, has far-reaching implications beyond a plaque 
that was presented at some luncheon. And the reason for this is for rewards to have any type of meaning or to cut to the core, the soul of the motivation of an employee, they have to not only come from the organization and the figureheads, but they also must come from the work itself. The employee must receive personal satisfaction. They must be fulfilled with the work that they do. Because all the rewards on the, uh, on the plaque or all the plaques and trophies and everything on the shelf mean nothing if that employee is empty. Because ultimately, they are going to look to be fulfilled and they are going to leave the organization. Why do I spend so much time focusing on or talking about those that wish to leave the organization? Why do we even focus on motivating our employees? Why do we even care about these things? Because the bottom line is, for an employee to work themselves up through your organization, you have invested time, effort, energy, and countless dollars into the development of that human capital. It makes a heck of a lot more sense to focus on retaining that top-level activity and employee than it is to start from scratch. You know who figured this out? The armed forces. Now, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but just an observer outside looking in, I've had a few individuals that I grew up with and and went to high school and college with that ultimately ended up into the armed forces. And they said, I'm going to sign on for, you know, four years or six years or whatever the case may be. But what happens after that fourth or sixth year? If they've had a pleasurable experience or have at least found value and satisfaction in what they do... They sign on again and again and again. Now, obviously, there is a typically a pretty substantial signing bonus, depending how specialized they are in their particular area. But why do you think there is such a substantial signing bonus when an active military member reaches the end of their term, or I'm not sure what they call it, but their, their, their commitment, their obligation... Why is there a pretty hefty financial incentive for them to sign on again? Because the armed forces have realized and recognized how much they have spent per hour training and developing that human asset. It makes a heck of a lot more sense for them to contribute some financial consideration to retain them versus starting over and retraining someone else. If we within our organizations thought the same way and focused on retaining our individuals who already know our system, already know our platforms, already know our culture, already know how we operate, if we focused on retaining that top, top, top level talent, forget just top level, if we focused on retaining level our talent across the board, and we mitigated and lowered our turnover, we would ultimately look up three, six, nine, 12 months from now and have an employee workforce that is more cohesive, better trained, in better sync, and overall more profitable and productive. All right, final stage of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-actualization. Now, this is when your employee is interested in personal individual development. He or she 
will, will ultimately, they're pretty skilled at what he or she does. They've racked up some, probably some pretty substantial victories within your organization, made some differences, have some time in the system, and ultimately have been a game changer, a difference maker, or at the very least, somebody that has been with you through and through. They've worked their way up through the the transitional ladder, if you will, and now they're looking for personal fulfillment, right? They want to be challenged. They want, they want an opportunity to complete maybe further education. Maybe they just want freedom from supervision or the autonomy to run things in their own fashion. You know, there was a quote, and I'm going to butcher the heck out of it, but it's from General Patton, and it really has to do with folks that are at this highest rung of self actualization within Maslow's hierarchy of needs, although its principles apply all the way through and through to to all human capital. But it states, never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their results. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do. So in other words, I'm not going to tell you how to do something. I'm going to tell you what I want done or my expectations. You go figure out how to do it. Those folks that are at that highest level of self-actualization within your organization, they've obviously been with you for some time. There's, there's a level of trust there. They've earned that trust. They, they have time in system. Why not just tell them some general expectations and let them go figure it out? So let's wrap this up with just a quick recap, and and we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Realize this one went a lot longer, but hopefully there was definitely some value in here. But let's look at it again. So we have five levels of employee motivation. The first two levels or the lower level needs have to do with overall physiological needs and security needs. And then we moved up to the third level, which is belongingness. And then once we move up to the higher levels or items number four and five, the higher level needs, we have the esteem need and then the self-actualization need. Knowing what stage your employees are at within those five levels allows you to know the triggers and the motivation on how to motivate them. And most importantly, as a great leader or a developer of human capital, your goal should be to help move them through those five stages as quickly as possible. Now, it's, it's important to understand that the hierarchy of needs are constantly shifting and they're moving. It's not a linear path from step one to two to two to three, three to four, four to five. It's very possible you can go from one to two, two to three, three back down to two, two up to three. You get my point. It is fluid like a river. It's ever-changing. We focus today specifically on the work environment But the work environment also crosses over with the home and social environment. So it's important to note that these things, they're they're fluid. They can shift. Looking specifically from a business perspective, we have to understand that employee motivation is constantly shifting. And we as leaders within our organization need to identify and adapt to that based on our individual employees' needs. Look, let's look at it this way. Think of your own personal life. Now, what the, the, the raise that you received five years ago, is that still going to motivate you 10 years from now? Probably not. And, and what about the challenging job that you began this year? 
Are you still going to be challenged by that job four years from now? What about that performance review that you received last year? Does that apply to today? Does that satisfy your need for recognition today? Obviously, the answer to those are no. So if those same principles apply to you, they apply to your organization and everybody else within your organization. So bottom line, know what stage within Maslow's hierarchy of needs that your employees are operating with within their life. You, as the motivating Jedi, adapt to their needs, provide them substance to solve those needs and move them up the motivational ladder. That way you can have a workforce that is happy, healthy, and productive. At the end of the day, guys, we spend a majority of our time at work. Why not spend it surrounded by working with leading and motivating happy, healthy individuals? That's it for today, guys. This is Innovate Think Tank, and I am Jason Crawford. Have a great day, everyone. 